Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States of America. We build a coalition of nations from the Atlantic to the Pacific, NATO to the, and the Atlantic, Japan and the Pacific, I mean, across the, across the world. This has been the President of the United States of America. May God have mercy on our souls. Stu Does America. Head over to StuDoesMerch.com. Check out all the stuff we've got for you. You can use the promo code Stu10 to save 10%. If you're watching on YouTube, like the video right now. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the bell for notifications. Do all the things that good podcast listeners do. Chad Prather is going to be here. He's got some preaching to do. Don Lemon is now officially part of CNN's rehab. But we start by doing the desecration of Roald Dahl. Roll doll. This is not supposed to be. I mean, I understand in the woke times of today, everything is controversial. Everything is racist. Everything is sexist. Everything is homophobic. We get it. But I mean, these are beloved children's books. Is, this isn't supposed to be the point where controversy arises, but it is. Critics are now rejecting changes to Roll doll books as censorship. And Roald Dahl wrote some of the most beloved children's books of all time. Matilda, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, uh, Witches, The Fabulous Mr. Fox, and, and so many more. But we're seeing now a bizarre thing going into effect that we should try to all get together and stop, like, right now. Before it gets out of control, before we say we can't believe uh, how, how this has happened. Where, where did they go? We should try stopping it, like, now. Because this is going to happen to every book in existence and eventually get to every book that you love for whatever reason. Uh, the, uh, the big story came from uh, The Guardian, uh, the rewriting of Roald Dahl. And they go through tons and tons of these changes. But before we go through these specific examples, I want to give you kind of a background of what's going on right now. These books came out a long time ago. Uh, you know, they, of course, were famous. They turned into big, famous movies in many cases as well. And Roald Dahl was the author who wrote them. Now, he died in 1990, so he's been dead for a long time. Of course, you know, they keep churning these books out, and, and the foundation, the family foundation, keeps continually making a bunch of money off of them. Now, the Dahl estate had the rights to these books up until very, very recently, like you know, two years ago, just post-pandemic, 2021. And they sold them to a company you may have heard of called Netflix. Now, Netflix bought them for $686 million, telling you how much they are beloved. Now, of course, at that point, Netflix was throwing out $686 million checks like bi-weekly. So it was, it's not maybe, at, it sounds like a lot of money, but in Netflix dollars at that point, it, maybe it wasn't that much. But it was, you know, kind of a nice hefty paycheck for the family. Now, they had started this review of these books. And the review, when I say the review of these books, I mean, they decided to look back at all these beloved children's stories and say, what should we change? What's too offensive for today's audiences? 
What shouldn't kids be able to read now that they were able to read before? And this isn't the first time we've seen controversial things in books. You go back to, you know, books written a couple hundred years ago. You're going to find all sorts of terrible words in there. Uh, also words that, you know, maybe we just wouldn't understand because they're not utilized anymore. And occasionally, in really extreme examples, this does happen with books where uh, authors uh, will have words tweaked later on long after their death. Um, to uh, make them either more understandable or really fight off the absolute most offensive things. Things like the N-word are taken out of books. Now, even that is, is, is a problem because you're changing not only history, uh, which is not good, but you're also changing, you're rewriting the words for someone who's dead. Like, they're no longer the author of that book if you take their words and change them. And this has happened over time, occasionally. Of course, we've seen it like every time they release a new Star Wars movie, there's like nine scenes and 14 creatures you've never seen before. So it does even happen in, in the area of film as well. Now, when they decided to do this review of these Roald Dahl books, uh, this started before they were acquired by Netflix, um, and they decided to bring in an organization um, <laughs> called Inclusive Minds. How well do you think this turned out? Inclusive Minds, it's a, a spokesperson described it as a collective for people who are passionate about inclusion and, ex- ex- and accessibility in children's literature. Now, look, I like kids' books. I read kids' books to my kids. But I will say, uh, if, if, you're, if your goal in life is to make children's books more inclusive and accessible... Just let them enjoy the stupid books. You know what I mean? Like I, like, you know, I'm not entirely against an idea where you'd say, okay, look, some of this language is a bit antiquated. You know, we don't really say these things anymore. But this was the truth of the time. It's what the author actually said. We can't change his words after he's dead. Now, some of the changes in some of these books happened when Roald Dahl was alive, and at least those are mildly, I guess, defensible. At least he was there to approve them. But now we've gone much, much further. Let me give you some examples. Some of them are just kind of stupid and silly. It's hard to even understand what they were doing. In 2001, James and the Giant Peach, another one of his big books, he wrote, uh, they were like a couple of hunters who had just shot an elephant. Now, that was in 2001. The 2021 update, they were like a couple of hunters who had just shot their prey. Now, I don't know if the elephant lobby got involved in this in some way. Why would elephant be so shocking and they could put prey on there with no problems? I don't know. In the witches. But what about the rest of the world, I cried. What about America and France and Holland and Germany? And in 2021, it just says, what about the rest of the world, I cried. They just took the country names out of there. Now, I don't, again, I don't really know why you would do that. Like Holland and Germany and, and America and France or other parts of the world from where this story is taking place. I mean, if you wanted to add in a couple of other countries, maybe, I don't know, that, that, would, be, that would fit the dumb inclusivity thing. But they just took all the country names out. Just like, ah, the rest of the world. Let's not name any specific nations. That could upset people. But it gets stranger and stranger from there. This is from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which, of course, is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, uh, the movie-wise. One of the all-time greats. Says, like all extremely old people, he was delicate and weak. In 2021, Like most extremely old people, he was delicate and weak. And I know if you've ever gone on the Internet and seen uh, commercials for uh, supplements, you know there are 80-year-olds out there with giant muscles. So I guess maybe that one's true, though I don't know if it's particularly important to point out that you can be incredibly 
strong and incredibly uh, uh, unbreakable when you're 80 years old. I don't know if that's really necessary to point out, but they went to those lengths as well. By the way, I just wanted to uh, let you know, just like our very old president, he's also delicate and weak. Um, The Witches is another book of of Roald Dahl. In 2001, that version was, even if she was working as a cashier in a supermarket or typing letters for a businessman. Now you're starting to see the sexism of Roald Dahl in action. Yeah, he said that women could only hold jobs as a cashier in a supermarket or typing letters for businessmen. Now, it's important to note that he didn't actually say that at all. That's not actually what it says, but it was taken that way. So they updated it, and this is like the, the DEI people in full effect. Listen to their, their remake. Even if she is working as a top scientist or running a business. <laughs> like, women, we can't think of women as cashiers. No, no. Of course, there are... Female cashiers. Like, what happens if you're a female cashier and you read this? Like, what the hell? Well, I, I, I look. My job might not be uh, as a scientist, but I, you know, I'm doing something important for society. You know, scientists are doing all sorts of weird stuff right now. I'm at least getting people vegetables. But no, uh, she has to be working as a top scientist or running a business. And at times, it gets so absurd in these remakes that it's not just taking words and making them more woke. It's legitimately writing entire paragraphs that Roald Dahl didn't write. A lot of times changing the entire meaning of what's going on. Listen to this. In 2001, it was Aunt Sponge was terrifically fat and tremendously flabby at that. Her tummy and waist were as soggy as paste. It was worse on the place where she sat. All right, she was a fat ass. That's what he's saying. All right, he's, she, he's saying she was a fat ass. And I hate to, I know if you're reading James and the Giant Peach and you're thinking, wait a minute, did he just say she was a fat ass? Yes, that's what he said. However, not anymore. Listen to this. This is not, this, not only is this not the same meaning, it's an entire, it's like they wrote an entirely new book by Roald Dahl. This is what it says. Aunt Sponge was a nasty old brute, not fat, but nasty, and deserved to be squashed by the fruit. We all felt a big bump when we dropped with a thump. We left Aunt Sponge behind us, but you needn't remind us that we shouldn't feel rotten, for we haven't forgotten how spiteful she could be. Instead of a story about her being fat, it's a story about her being spiteful. Those are two entirely different things. They've changed the entire meaning of this and added in all new rhymes. This is a whole new poem that that he did not write, Roald Dahl. He did not write that. It's written like today by inclusivity experts fascinating. In Matilda, in 2001, it wrote, he wrote, your daughter Vanessa, judging by what she's learnt this term, has no hearing organs at all. The new updated version, judging by what your daughter Vanessa has learnt this term, this fact alone is more interesting than anything I have taught in the classroom. I mean, those are two totally different meanings. They don't even address the fact that she, just, she can't hear anything. It's just totally a different sentence, totally about different things. How about in The Witches? You can't go around pulling the hair of every lady you meet, even if she's wearing gloves. You just try it and see what happens. Well, you know, this is a story about who's bald and who isn't, who's wearing a wig and who isn't. Well, in 2021, besides, there are plenty of other reasons why women might wear wigs, and there is certainly nothing wrong with that. It's like they went to Seinfeld to rewrite these things. Not that there's anything wrong with that. You can wear wigs. Not that there's anything wrong with that. In 2001, in The uh, Twits, In her right hand, she was carrying a walking stick. She used to tell people that this was because she had warts growing on the sole of her left foot and walking was painful. Okay, so she 
had trouble walking and she had a walking stick with her. In 2021, in her right hand, she carried a walking stick, not because she needed help walking. I, I mean, these are massive changes to these stories. And they're just rewriting them. I, I, I don't know that anybody would be offended by any of the things they changed in there. I mean, obviously, old-timey books had some really offensive stuff sometimes. Whether you change that or not, is, uh, you know, to me, it's not a good idea to just start changing history. It's important to understand the time that these books were written in. If you look at a book from the 1700s and it's talking about slavery in normal terms and you change that because it's offensive, we're going to eventually start forgetting that this was considered normal by way too many people. That was a massive problem. We shouldn't be hiding that. We should be pointing it out and saying, gosh, those were screwed up times. The story's still great, but whoa, those times were screwed up. We should make sure we don't go back to those times. Instead, we're trying to hide history and that never, ever goes well. Let me, so... Let me give you more, you know, without giving a million uh, examples, let me give you the themes of everything. Any reference to someone being mentally unwell, if uh, crazy or mad or insane, all of that is removed, which is obviously a big thing in a children's book. This happens often. Any reference to someone being overweight, uh, fat, uh, all that's been changed. Any reference to someone being unattractive, you know, and some of these books were like based on like the witches are ugly. But no, they took all that out as well. Any reference to being someone being dumb, stupid, unintelligent, thick, all that's been changed. Any reference to someone's skin color is removed or changed. And I don't mean just like, uh, you know, hey, that, you know, white, a white and black thing that might be offensive to today's audience. I'm saying like, oh, their skin lit up red. Well, we have to change that too. Because, you know, they lit up red from the fire. Well, no, that, uh, that, that has to be changed as well. Any praises referencing color in general? Um, have been like face turned white. You can't have that. Gendered terms are dropped almost everywhere. So it's no longer mom and dad. It's the parents. It's not he or her. It's, you know, it's they or them. All that stuff is going on. And the neutral you know, gender uh, descriptors are used. Gender do- job descriptions like firemen and you know, policemen. Those are all changed. This is all just rewriting of history. Everyone, no one's offended by the term fireman. Okay, that's just not, although we did hear, what was it, Sam Smith the other day, the guy who was dancing up as a, on the devil costume during the Grammys, he used the term fire them. And you're like, wait, what's that? Fire them. Like them, instead of he or she, man or woman or person, fire them. Which just sounds like you're getting fired. It sounds like something Donald Trump would say to you. Uh, all references to specific type of guns are removed. Uh, you know, there's a drawing in, in uh, Charlie and Chocolate Factory of, uh, was it Augustus Gloop? With all the, he had the, no, uh, Mike TV, right? Mike TV. Mike TV had the toy guns. You remember in the movie, probably, he had the toy guns, and he was always, you know, looking at, uh, trying to fire the guns. And the, there's a drawing in the book of him having, like, 18 toy guns. They just got rid of it. Just got rid of the guns. No longer part of his character. The term, this is, a, this is a fascinating one for so many reasons. The term queer, which is used all over these books, is replaced with strange. Now, when he uses, it's, it's not that they change the meaning of it. In the book, the term queer was used by, as the definition strange. So they just, you know, it's a synonym and they just change it because I guess they thought it would be offensive. But the thing is, I thought queer had made a comeback. I mean, in LGBTQ, QIA2+, one of the Qs is queer. Queer as folk was a show. Uh, There's all sorts of, queer is like a new thing you're allowed to say now. Now they're changing it, and I say it's anti-queer to change it. That's just my perspective. Um, Oompa Loompas and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Now that one has been completely altered. The beginning it was uh, certainly offensive as they were, 
I mean, basically slaves. Like the, the first version of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, they went into the jungles and found a bunch of little people and he, you know, he enslaved them to make chocolate. It was a less happy story. I will say. However, they changed this while he was alive. And, you know, he realized, ah, I don't really like the way this works anymore. And they got, in the movie version, of course, you might remember the orange face and the green hair. Well, uh, all that, all the descriptors of the Oompa Loompas have been changed with the exception of little. We just know they were small now. <laughs> Who knows what they looked like? Who knows what they were doing? Who knows how many arms and legs they had? They were just small. That's all we know about them. Um, in, on the, uh, in the uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, an entire character, the small fox, has been changed from a male to a female. Why? Now, that's a massive change in a book. An author making a decision of whether a character is male or female is a massive decision. They just changed it. So all the references to small fox now are changed from he to her. And in a a book that's so, you know, so focused on removing gender in every other uh, section of this process, uh, that one, for some reason, they just changed the gender from one to the other. On the BFG, this is another instance where an entire character appears to have been changed from male to female. And this is the problem I have with this. It's not just about these books. Look, I, you know, I mean, I, I love Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Um, I, you know, it's a f- favorite movie of mine, and I, I, you know, I will always love it. But like, you know, look, it's a kid's book. You might say it doesn't make that much of a difference. I think it does. And the reason why I think it does is because you can't change history. Think about this. These are things that really happened, and we keep rewriting history. History is not an option. It's not, a, it's not an optional set of choices where you figure out and choose A, B, or C which past you think occurred. It's something that actually happened. There's a truth there. There's something that occurred and two other things that didn't. You have to talk about the one that did occur. And when you're just changing history, something that is completely unacceptable, and it's especially unacceptable after the person is dead. You can't rewrite someone's work after they're dead. You want to go to them and say, look, we think we can sell some more copies if you change the Oompa Loompas from slaves to little orange weird people. And he's like, you know what? Uh, whatever. I, I want some more cash and I want, I want Gene Wilder in the movie. Go ahead. That's, you know, a questionable process at some level, but at least the person's there to approve it. You're changing his life's work after his life. I can't be right. You wonder if there should be lawsuits over this, but of course this is done by the, with the approval of the family. So I guess that's not going to happen. They're the ones that apparently brought in, even before Netflix was involved, brought in the inclusivity, inclusivity uh, group to help out. And, you know, you think these changes happen, they become less descriptive, left, less interesting, less fun, less colorful. You're taking away from the quality of work as well, not just changing it, but taking away from the quality. Now, if you want to put a disclaimer at the beginning of the book that says, look, old timey uh, books are weird, man. You know, there's a lot of stuff that was in those books. We don't really like some of it. Honestly, it's kind of offensive here or there. Again, most of the stuff I read you, I don't even think hit this level. But, you know, you go back a couple hundred years, you can find some stuff that really does. Uh, But, you know, a disclaimer in front of the book, I'm not entirely opposed to, just to give perspective. Hey, this was a different time. This is how people talked. You're going to hear things in here that are offensive to you, but you should learn from that and understand, and this will give you a better understanding of what those times were. That's, to me, acceptable. Additional context is acceptable as long as it's sane and fair. 
But instead, what we're doing is we're just stepping in and, you know, we're pissing on this guy's grave. This guy worked really hard to make these books beloved by so many millions of children. And we're changing his work posthumously. You think about that. Think about your life's work, things that you really care about. What if you die and then 30, 40 years later, uh, you know, your kids are like, you know, "Ah, well, we're just going to change all of his words. We don't really care. Now, you might say, hey, if it's Netflix money, I'm into it. But remember, this was happening before the Netflix thing kicked in. Stop changing history. Stop changing the words of authors after they're dead. Stop pissing on beloved children's authors' grave. This is something that we should stop now before it gets even more out of control. Yeah, the liver is underrated in my mind. You know, we talk all the time. We talk about the heart. We talk about our skin. We talk about, I don't know, all the other body parts. What about the liver? The liver does all the stuff for you. You got cholesterol going at it. You got alcohol going at it. You got toxins going at it. You got Tylenol going at it. All these things, cigarettes. That's why so many of us have sluggish, fatty livers that make us gain weight and lose energy. And adults with fatty liver are three and a half times more likely to have heart failure than those without. So why not give it a shot? Try something to help that whole process. Uh, from kicking into high gear. Liver Health Formula is here. It's an all-natural supplement which contains 12 clinically proven botanicals that help recharge and protect your liver. And it's manufactured right here in the USA, approved by American doctors. The Liver Health Formula will receive, uh, you could go right now, you get five free gifts. So they're going to hook you up with a bunch of stuff. First, you're going to receive a free bottle of blood sugar formula as well. This will help you reduce sugar cravings. You're also going to get four free eBooks to support every aspect of your health. You can try Liver Health Formula by going to getliverhealth.com slash stew. It's an underrated organ. Help it out. Claim your five free gifts as well. It's getliverhelp.com slash stew. Getliverhelp.com slash stew. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm happy to welcome Chad Prather to the show. He's the host of the Chad Prather Show right here on Blaze TV. And if you're in the Birmingham area, you can catch Chad on the Buckwild Comedy Tour at Stardome Comedy Club all this weekend. Big weekend ahead. Oh, yeah. You guys, you're always touring. You're always somewhere. I'm always somewhere. Different city every week. I'm a, you know, you gypsy soul. I heard, that, I heard that you can't use the word gypsy anymore because that's the, it's now the G word. Oh, really? That's <laughs> Sorry. kind of a slur. I don't, don't know. Don't say that. Yeah. Are you get tired of, of the traveling? I, mean, I, I know you myself, like the shows. I turned, D, I turned 50 back in December, and I sit there and I go, do I want to come off the road? Do I want to back off on that? And then I thought to myself, that's all I've ever really known, and I don't think I would know what to do with myself <laughs> right. if I was just sitting around not do anything. I could probably be more productive if I would just focus on one thing right. in my life rather yeah. than nine. But I well, try to do everything like moderately terribly. Like, <laughs> you know, you just hit that little, little hurdle. My philosophy of life has always been if I do enough things with mediocrity and combine them, that it will be somewhat good. Right. Like people will just go, wow, he's a renaissance man. Right. No, I just suck at a lot of stuff. <laughs> but it's easy to do when you're doing a lot of things poorly. You just yeah. do them all the time and just then people the get time. fooled. Like, he's, the, he's the most busy man in show business. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Um, all right. So let me uh, let me take you from your comedy tour over mm-hmm. to church for a second here. Okay. Because 
this whole area fascinates me right now. There's so much turmoil going on. Yeah. And I think like at a time where we need faith the most, it seems to be at the churches seem to be at their shakiest point. There is the Anglican church going, uh, there's a situation going on there in England. Um, they seem to be capitulating to the woke mm-hmm. masses. They're changing their teachings. They're reorganizing their faith to meet some sort of woke standard. I mean, I, that can't possibly be real, can it? No, I mean, the, the, the weird thing about it, I never thought I'd be sitting in this chair on your show talking, you know, ecclesiology, but here we are <laughs> uh, on a global scale. You know, and you look at the comparisons of the things that are happening, whether it's the Anglican Church, the Church of England, you look at the uh, Russian Orthodox Church, and, and now it's been brought up by Vladimir Putin this week in, in his speech. Um, and he even points out the wokeism that's happening in the Western Church, all the way to this so-called revival that's supposedly happening yeah. at, at Asbury University. Uh, so there's all of these big spread of, of ways of looking at things in terms of their expression. But at the end of the day, you have this you have this holy catechism, this book that tells you the way things are supposed to be done right and properly. Yeah. And it's like people are like, eh, you know what? We're just going to we're just going to pick and choose kind of that Jeffersonian Bible. We're just copy and paste. We'll cut the pieces out and paste it in our own. If we like this, this makes us feel good. I like Psalm 23. The Lord is with me. But then this other stuff that talks about, you know, we've exchanged our lusts for uncommon things. Like, yeah, we don't want to do all that kind of stuff. We want everybody to feel good. Is the coffee fine? Yeah, we got Starbucks today out in the lobby and the fountains are running and there's a new set behind the preacher and the lights are on point and the sound's great. Let's have church. Yeah, that seems to be the approach of a lot of these churches. It is. Everybody wants to feel good. The American church has gotten so disenfranchised and and people are just so disconnected there because, you know, I've always said, tying that back into comedy, I've always said the two places that you should be able to walk into the room and immediately have a sense of like going trepidation, like, oh my God, I'm going to feel uncomfortable today. One should be in a comedy room and the other should be in the church. Mm. You should expect for them to offend you a little bit. Yeah. Not make you feel good. Like a comedy, you're going to ridicule and mocking is in the job description. <laughs> right. Preaching should be about conviction, right? Like I want to take you and make you realize that if you are a Christian, that, that based on the teachings of Scripture, uh, you're going to be crucified with Christ, spiritually speaking. You're going to be sanctified, and I'm going to take you to heaven in an afterlife, which means there's parts of you that exist today that aren't going to make it to heaven. So we got to get that out of you. I got to carve that out of you. And I'm going to use the, the sword of the Spirit, which, you know, the, the Scripture calls the Word of God, the Bible. I'm going to use that to carve those parts out of you. But now we pick and choose. So we're, we're leaving some parts behind that I don't think are real pleasing in the eyes of God that, that you know, you look at these things, you go, well, um, what are we? Well, we're just a watered down country club at this point with a motivational speech. Yeah. Yes. And one that sucks. Yeah. Let's be honest about it. Like, yeah. I, you know, like you, you've lived a, a life. Uh, well, we've talked about this life. before. We've seen some of these you've some of that happen it. on stage uh, here uh, during Power <laughs> Hour. You know, there are fun things to do in life. Yeah. You know, and the reason you go to church is not to have the world. You want the opposite. You want something with a foundation that otherly. doesn't change, something right? Something otherly. Something different from you. You know, the, the word holy, uh, hagios in the Greek, means to be different than, right? You yeah. know, you want to be separated apart from. The, the, I, I mentioned ecclesiastical. You know, uh, ecclesia, the, the Greek word for the church, means people that are set apart, you know, unto something else. Uh, you know, a congregation of people that are different. Um, the fact, the word, the word Christian, the word enthusiasm, 
The, the word enthusiasm comes from the compound word in the Greek, in and theos, God in you. So theos is God in, inside, God in you. They looked at the first century Christians and they said, there's something about them. There's, a, there's an emotion that goes on with these people when they get together. And so all the only way we can explain it is God's inside of them. There, and so the word enthusiasm came from that. So, so when you look at the church, there ought to be something different. You know, uh, the Apostle Peter says that you are God's own peculiar people. Yeah, that's, that's such a great I, phrase. You want to be peculiar, some people that are set apart. And so now you say, well, now the church is saying, let's see how much like the world we can become so that everybody's comfortable when they walk in the door. No, I don't want that. I, I want to get punched in the face with truth. Like if, if, I'm, if I'm on a road to destruction, I would like somebody to love me enough to crash my truck. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're getting like, more what? church from a comedian on <laughs> yeah. the internet than you're probably getting it, a church. It's true. Run me off the road. This is why, yeah. this is why, you know, and again, I was seminary trained, right? Years ago, I was seminary trained. I was in church leadership for a long time. I got disgruntled and disenchanted with it because I started seeing these things that were so, you know, you, you look at these guys who, who traversed the entire known world in the first century. They didn't have telephones, telethons, or television. They had teleperson. Mm -hmm. They got on a, they got on a horse. They got on a donkey, got on a camel. They, they walked around the planet talking about this message of a guy that was crucified and was risen from the dead to save them from their sins. Now we want you to change your mind, change your ways, change your heart, repent from everything you've ever known and go the other way. And they cut their heads off and crucified them and boiled, boiled them in oil. And these guys did it willingly and lovingly and passionately. And I can tell you this, the American church, the Anglican church, the Church of England, the Russian Orthodox Church is changing nobody. Nobody. So I look at Asbury, I see what's happening there in Kentucky and I go, okay. Something's happening. Mm. Uh, and people won't look at that and say, yeah, kids are cutting class. They just want to stay in chapel. I, listen, I've been in chapel. Yeah. I don't want to stay there. Right. I'd rather go to class. Right. I mean, at least I can leave class. I, I mean, like after a while, that marathon worship for two weeks gets a little bit old. Your yeah. hands get tired holding them up. Mm. But you look at that and you, you go back to, um, you know, the great awakenings of, of the United States. And when the, it, listen, if ever at any time, in the history of, of Western civilization, do we need an awakening of a spiritual nature? And as, again, as, a, as a, I call myself a theistic barbarian. I believe in God, but I'm a little wild, okay? Mm. And, it, and it's like, I just want to hit you in the face with the truth. I'm not going to look like I'm sort of a John the Baptist. I come wearing the sack, you know, the, 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 the beast hides and eating the locusts and the honey. And people go, well, he's not exactly the way the preacher is who sits in that nice room. <laughs> right. I, but I'll still tell you the truth. I want to see something, whatever package it comes in, that changes people. And I, and I look at this Asbury thing as an, as an antithesis to what I see going on in other parts of the world. I see what happened under Jonathan Edwards in the Great Awakening in antithesis to the deism that was taken over the, you know, the colonies um, in the early United States. And I go, you know, something transformed that culture. Hmm. And it was, and it wasn't, it wasn't firebrand preaching. I mean, Jonathan Edwards, if you read the history books, is one of the most boring guys in the world. <laughs> he was blind. He had to hold the text up this close to his face in order to read it. Hmm. There was nothing dynamic about him. You wouldn't put him on, you know, the television. It's, but it, it transformed people's lives. And you can't deny that reality. That is a historical fact It happened. So if we ever have needed something like that ever in our history, it's now. I think you're totally right. I, I feel like, you know, look, a lot of us, you have moments where you feel like you might be straying from the perfect, uh, you know, person yeah. that you want to be. And going to church used to be that, that way to drag you back, like a magnet back to the yeah. right path, right? Yeah. And I feel like lately, 
so many churches have looked at whatever the political climate is, whatever the, you know, whatever they think their parishioners want, whatever it is, and they, they are now dragging the church back to meet the world. Yeah. And that's the exact opposite of the yeah. way this is constructed. It's supposed to pull you back away from the world, yeah. away from all the temptations and all those things to the straight and narrow. I mean, I, I feel like the, the, whole, the whole package is upside down right now. I'm not a judgmental person. I, I'm very, I try to be gracious. Wait, yes, you, you're completely are. I try to look at people and I say, you know, the old adage that um, every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. Uh, if you let that sink in and you realize that, it, that people who are truly forgiven know that they're forgiven, they understand grace. And people who have received grace tend to be the most gracious people. And they don't look at you with judgment. But like, I think you can get around me regardless of what your lifestyle choice is. You can get around me and just hang out with me and, and you'll realize I'm not judging you. I love you. I care about you. I want to get to know you. I want to hear your story. But now I'm not going to hang a pride flag out in front of in front of my house or mm -hmm. my church or anything else and say, okay, you're welcome here because now, now I'm going to meet you where you are based on who you had sex with last night and right. what your sexual choice and preference is. I'm not going to do that. And I'm going to look at it and I'm going to be like, look, there's, there's some things we do in this world with things we do in this life that, that are right and some things are wrong. You know, at the end of the day, the apostle Paul, he told the church in, in Corinth, he said, listen, guys, my, my righteous deeds are like filthy rags. And in the Greek, that's, that's a minstrel rag. He said, even the good things I've done are like a minstrel rag. Mm. Minst not, not a minstrel like a singing guy. Right. It's the thing like that time of the month, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Menstruation. So <laughs> right, right. he looked at that and he said, he said, you know, listen, guys, I, my righteousness is dead to me. Mm. It, it, so we're, we're trying to appease people and say, okay, it's okay for you to remain the way you are. But you remember when, uh, you know, they brought this lady who was caught in adultery. It's always interesting to me. They caught the lady. They didn't catch the guy. But they caught the lady in adultery. They bring her before Jesus. And Jesus says, you know, okay, the ones among you that have no sin cast the first stone. And everybody walked away. And then he looked at her and he said, now go sin no more. Yeah, and that There's is two parts of that story. It, it always, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's, people want to leave that part with, hey, he didn't judge, nobody judged her. Wow, she was forgiven for doing what she was doing. And Jesus said, but go said no more. He said to the rich young ruler, he said, sell everything you have and come and follow me. You really want to follow me? Sell it all and come. And of course, that was a test. And it says that he walked away and he was sad because he owned a lot of things. There's always a requirement with stuff like that. You can't go to heaven like you are. That's the mm -hmm. whole process of sanctification. When you die, there are certain things that ain't going. Yeah. Uh, it's, I, you're, yeah, it's, it's amazing. And, uh, it's the point of the church. It's the whole point. Um, let me go to the Putin thing for a second. I, this is fascinating to me because I, I, I don't believe anything Vladimir Putin says. Sure. He comes out, he basically tries to sound like he's a right-wing American commentator, right? Like he's like, you know. Sounds like an episode of my show. <laughs> right. But like, we all know you and Vladimir Putin do not actually no. agree. Like he's lying for yeah. whatever reason. Big T traditionalism. He's trying to play into this. He's trying to play. It's a populist play to keep the, the right flank of his country, uh, you know. And, and it's, it's, I think it's really dangerous, you know, and I think there's a, a good amount of people on the right here that will hear this stuff and say, you know, that's some of it's refreshing, right? Like some of it's like, well, he's finally coming out and saying something and uh, no one in America will say that stuff. But the motivation here is, is yeah. highly suspect. And I, yeah. you know, and I think I think it. It might bring some people on the right down the wrong road. I think it can. It's very deceptive because you have to separate the words from the man, right? You, and I, I tell people all the time, you know, Jesus even said, you know, you'll know them by, or the, by their fruit. You'll know them. Yeah. Um, you'll know them by what they've done, not necessarily by what they've said, because he said in Matthew chapter 7, he said, there's going to be men who say to me in that day, that day, that judgment day, you know, they're going to say, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and perform miracles in your name? He's like, I never knew you. 
So depart from me, you worker of iniquity. And the issue is you know them by their fruit. Now, Vladimir Putin's fruit ain't so great, right? <laughs> yeah. You could take the words, you separate them out, and you say, okay, why isn't an American in leadership position right now saying these words? Mm-hmm. Now, we know that Vladimir Putin's probably murdered people in the basement of the Kremlin or wherever the mm-hmm. GRU headquarters is down the road. <laughs> right. But, you know, he's not a good guy. He's a villain on the world scale. But the words he said were great. It, it, so if you just listen to the words, you go, see, Putin ain't that bad of a guy. Well, he's not the subject of memes. He really is a horrible human being who's done horrible atrocities to other people uh, and to his people. And uh, so you look at that, and I hope people can separate that out. Uh, but you're right. I think the whole thing is he sees the monkeys we have on parade in the, in, in the West. And we really do, man. We're putting some things out there. You know, Corinne Jean-Pierre just said yesterday in a press conference, we have the most diverse administration in history. She didn't say we have the most intelligent or, or the most administrative prowess. We have the, right. you know, we have the effective. most educated, <laughs> yeah. most effective, most eloquent, right. smartest, nothing like that. She no. just said we have the most diverse. Um, again, we're parading monkeys out there and, you know, it, it's, there's, it's a clown show. Mm. So it's easy for him to point at that and say, we're a civilization that's rising above their degradation and their lascivious lifestyles. And, and we are that great Russia that uh, the church shines, God shines upon the Russian Orthodox Church. He doesn't, but I'm going to tell my people that because that's all they've ever known. It's mm. such a brainwashing ploy. It is really amazing. And I will say, as a, you know, a show that has a regular spot with a CBN uh, reporter, Dan Andros, and also Glenn Beck on Weekly, we've set a record for scriptures on, in this interview. <laughs> and who would have thought? People ca- underestimate me. I, I guess so. I, I guess people so. underestimate me. I, I'm a, I'm a, um, I told you, I'm a, I'm a student of mediocrity, but... Uh, I quote enough to sound smart. There you go. <laughs> Chad Prather. Hey, don't miss uh, Chad on tour right now. You're going to be in Birmingham, Birmingham this, this weekend. Yeah. So uh, where can people go if they want to find Chad ChadPratherLive.com. ChadPratherLive.com. Go, go do it. It's the Buckwild Comedy Tour at Stardome Comedy Club this weekend. Chad, thanks so much for coming on the program. Thanks, buddy. Despite the U.S. blowing through $31.4 trillion debt ceiling in January, the leftist White House still just keeps spending. They don't care. They just keep going and going and going while our national leadership has buried their heads in the sand when it comes to fiscal responsibility. It's time to pull your head out of the sand if that's where it was. And if you are, if you want to do something that's going to fight back against this, you got to diversify into gold with Birch Gold. In times of high uncertainty and instability, gold is king and it's dependable. Birch Gold has made it easy to convert to an IRA or 401k uh, and get it into an IRA with precious metals. Uh, all you got to do is get the info, text the word STU to 989898, claim your free info kit on gold, and then talk to one of their precious metals specialists. Uh, Look, our country is in a mountain of debt. We went over this with Brian Riedel uh, earlier this week. It's insane. You, your head is going to pop at how much money you owe right now, and it's only getting worse. They've added $6 trillion to the, to the debt just since Biden got into office. Six extra trillion dollars, and that's on top of what was already projected. Uh, Got to do something. Protect yourself with gold. T- uh, text the word STU to the number 989898. They've got an A-plus rating uh, with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers at Birch Gold, and countless of five-star reviews. You can trust Birch Gold to protect your future. Text STU to the number 989898 today for Birch Gold. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. 
complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Everything is racist. Every thought you have is a KKK dream. Everything is racist. White supremacist extreme. Well, I will tell you this. CNN has a racism alert. They want you to know something is very, very racist. And I'm going to bring it to you right now. 5.7% of doctors are black. Only 5.7% of doctors are black. And experts warn the shortage harms public health? Question mark? I added the question mark on that one. Um, Only about 5.7% of physicians in the United States identify as black or African-American. This statistic does not reflect the communities that they serve. And an estimated 12% of the U.S. population is black or African-American. I'm just going to rewrite this real quick um, because I haven't heard this sentence be uttered, but I'm just going to use the exact same words. Only about 25% of basketball players in the NBA identify as white. This statistic does not reflect the communities they serve as an estimated 75% of the U.S. population is white. How come we, we never hear that breakdown, do we? And I will say, what kind of weirdo are you if you care about the skin color of your doctor? That's just insane. I don't look at skin. I'm like, well, the first thing I want to do, I don't want to look at merit or their degrees or what they're, how good of a doctor they are. I want to look at their skin color. That makes you insane if you do that. And what are they going to do now to get this number up? They're just going to start giving people who aren't qualified, uh, you know, uh, the qualifications to become doctors and then you have people who have the right skin color but not the right qualifications does this sound like why even why even have them go to school at all why not have everyone if if you're black and you'd like to be a doctor you all get to be doctors until we get to 12 percent and then at that point they'll probably ask for 75 percent but until then we just need to remember the simple lesson everything is racist everything is racist Calling all gamers. Yes, calling all gamers. Manscaped now sells beard products. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beard products. Yeah, they're revolutionizing men's grooming with their new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Now, you can be, let's, let's all be real. How many of you are AFK on your facial grooming? For all you non-gamers out there, that's away from keyboard. How many of you are abandoning that process completely? It's just kind of like this mess. Well, if you need a beard trim, if you need a fresh shave, the technology behind the Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shape your signature beard so you can look your best in real life and when you're with a bunch of those weirdos online. Join the 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com and using the code STU20. You will get 20% off and free shipping. First, there's the beard shampoo and conditioner. Of course, that's essential. Then you have the beard oil to relieve dryness and be- uh, of the beard and your skin. And you can top it off with a beard balm, a pomade that shapes and styles that critter to perfection. You're going to love it no matter what game you're playing. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code STU20 at manscaped.com. 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code STU20. Manscaped Beer Hedger. It's one stroke, one guard, 20 lengths. Take the war out of your zone and claim the victory you deserve with Manscaped. 
We've been doing a segment for a while called CNN's Rehab as they try to rehab the network from this just anti-Trump, you know, political machine into an actual news network again. Um, and I've said this publicly. They've gone from an F to a solid D minus. So they're, they're on their way. Um, but we have some news on the CNN rehab, which is Don Lemon has actually gone into actual rehab. Hateful, misogynist rehab. Yes, Don Lemon uh, is going to participate in, quote, formal training so that he's not such a jerk, I guess, anymore. Um, it is important to me that CNN balances accountability with fostering a culture in which people can own, learn, and grow from their mistakes, said Chris Licht. To that end, Don will return to CNN this morning on Wednesday. So the big return tomorrow. We'll see uh, how that goes. Um, I'm, I, for one, am on the edge of my seat to see what Don Lemon might say when I don't tune in as, as usual on CNN uh, this morning. If you care about the country and conservative uh, thought and uh, this stupid show, uh, you can always support us. We do appreciate that. We don't want to go extinct like Don Lemon's career probably is just in a couple of weeks. Uh, join Blaze TV, blazetv.com slash stew. Use the promo code stew. Save yourself some cash. Things are expensive these days. You deserve to save. We really do uh, appreciate when you come on board and support the network and the show so we can try to bring this content to you. Of course, we'll also love you for free over on YouTube and uh, podcasts. We're cheap, so we'll see you there.